God is good, man. And I want to talk to you about praise a little bit today. I want to talk to you about virtues that bring victory. You know, in our life, uh, uh, even, uh, you know, I hate to talk about the saints, but I guess I will. But, uh, you know, uh, you, I, you know, for the last couple of weeks, we're watching all this commentary. And uh, they start looking at the virtues of every team, like, well, their defense is awesome, and, but they're running backs. And what about their coach? And what about our quarterback? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and you start, if you want to win, you start looking at what are your assets. You know, you start looking at the virtues. What do we have that's um, special? Because that gives us a sense of victory when we stop and say, hold up, wait a second. In any time, anywhere we are in life, we always have to stop and say, okay, okay, what do I got? And be, because victory, you say, well, the victory is the Lord's. And it really, really is the Lord's. But God uses people of virtue. You have to have some virtue. You can't just quit and come into victory. You can't just be a quitter or someone who is a whiner or a complainer. You've you got to have some kind of virtue. You've got to look at your set of virtues and say, this is um, who I am, and this is why I'm going to conquer. So you say, well, it's all up to God. It is all up to God. I, when I first started this church, an older gentleman uh, who was a great man of God told me, he said, Pastor Bray, he said, uh, he said, pray like it's all up to you and work like it's all up to God. And I was like, it's so true. Because you can't just, you know, a lot of times, I, you know, I've been, I listen to Christian radio and worship. And, and, and it's like a, a it almost sometimes it seems like a prominent theme is like, we're helpless. We can't do anything. God do everything for us. And even though I'm a big failure, you're my victory. And, and there's truth in all of that. But at some point, God wants to make you like Jesus. Your purpose is to become like him, not an admirer of Jesus. But to have some virtue about you that when things get difficult, you don't just crumble and feel sorry for yourself and start complaining against God. That, look, the reasons d difficult things come is to see if you're going to rise up this time. You've heard me say uh, uh, before, in God's kingdom, you never fail the test. You just keep taking it till you pass. Maybe this time, rather than complain, maybe this time you'll praise. Because every time something happens to you that looks like difficult, it's your opportunity to show what's inside of you. And so we're, I'm, gonna, I'm only going to do one of them today because it's so important. The virtue of praise. The virtue of praise. Now, I, can you get that crown for me? In, in my, I got the crown of a crown of thorns in my office. There you go. Jennifer's uh, getting the crown of thorns. <laughs> and she's running. Good job. She's a school teacher. She knows the value of an illustration. The virtue of a heart of praise. The virtue of, and I, you know, I, I've, I've, like David said, I was young and now I'm old. I, I'm not really old yet. But I know what it's like to be young in the Lord and just can't wait to hear the next song, the worship song. Then I know what it's like to get a little bit like, I don't feel like singing. I know all the Bible and stuff. And I got business to take care of. Thank you, sweetie. I got business to take care of. And, and to get, you know, if not careful, you start getting like a ho-hum about things that are awesome. You remember the children of Israel, they got tired of manna. And they started complaining, well, manna is the bread that came down from heaven. Manna is Jesus. Sometimes people get tired of Jesus and they forget to be in love with Jesus. It can happen in a marriage, you know. You get, you, you, sometimes you forget how wonderful your wife is until you lose her. Or until you wake up and you're like, dude, I'm the most blessed guy in the world. 
I saw, I saw um, a Facebook post that said, I'm not perfect, but I've got an awesome wife, and that's pretty good. I'm misquoting it, but you get the idea. <laughs> you don't realize what you have many times because you don't give them praise, and you don't tell them who they are, and that part of it, you say, well, you know, uh, you know I think that. Well, God intends the at- for the atmosphere of your house, the atmosphere of his house, the atmosphere inside your head to be the atmosphere of praise. That something, instead of the atmosphere of complaining and worrying and, and fear and failure, whatever is in your head, he intends the, the atmosphere that's inside of you to change the atmosphere that's around you. You know, you can't really control the atmosphere around you, but you can control the atmosphere inside of you. And if you control the atmosphere inside of you, what happens is you begin to redefine the atmosphere around you. It may not change, but it sure looks different to you. Because you are now, you got a, another perspective. You're seeing it from up here looking down rather than under there looking up. Right? Didn't the Bible, did, you know, all of you know this scripture. Uh, Psalm says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. In other words, worship transports you from one place to the other. You are outside, now you're inside. I was outside the gate, now I'm inside the courts. And nobody had to do it. I just had to change what I'm thinking. And I had to change my attitude. It's really true about planes, you know. They say you're, the altitude of a plane determines its attitude. The attitude determines its altitude, excuse me. That the nose of a plane is, the, the, whether it's going like this or this, this is they call the attitude of the plane. And if the attitude is looking down, it's crashing. And if the attitude is going up, it's going higher. So it is true that... Your attitude will determine your altitude, and your attitude in every situation is always determined by your heart of praise. It's a virtue. It's a virtue. Say, you know what? God is good. I don't care what. <laughs> I'm not going to forget, uh, you know, just because someone repossessed your car doesn't mean God changed, right? Or just because one of your kids didn't come in last night and you want to kill them, it doesn't mean that God changed. God didn't change. God's still God. And God is the one consistent in your whole life. Everything else is subject to goof up. Your car, everything, is everything subject. Your team, I hope they won't. But I'm not, I'm not determining my attitude on Monday by what the saints do. There's a guy in a Rams outfit right here sent to torment me today. <laughs> he's not. He's a great guy. But he does have a wicked outfit on. But you know what? That's why you come to church. You come to church to change somebody. Change that old garment of filthiness. Put on a saint's outfit. That's why you come to church. You can't just put people out because they're wearing a ram's outfit. You got to let them come in and sit on the front row. They need to change. Change is good. You came to the right place. Come as you are, just as you are. Rams, jersey, and all. (laughs) God has the power to change you. But the, the, it's interesting, you know, every drop of blood that Jesus shed has a voice. It speaks to us. The Bible says the blood of Jesus speaks to us of better things than the blood of righteous Abel. It speaks. Remember, Abel's blood was crying out from the ground for vengeance. But the blood of Jesus is always crying out for mercy and for grace to change. His voice has a blood. So, and you can see 
in the seven different times that Jesus shed blood, there's a voice that's speaking to us. And it wasn't an accident when they pressed this crown of thorns on the head of Jesus. And the thorns pierced his brow and that precious blood came out. What does that blood say? Well, it says the curse of poverty is broken. I'm not going to do the whole teaching on it. It says that the curse of lack and struggle is broken off of your life because the thorns represent, according to God, thorns represent the curse that was on the ground for man's sake. And Jesus wanted you to remember that the blessing on your life will always be determined by what you think because he wasn't the crown on his shoulder. But victory, crowns are about victory, right? Victory comes to us because we have learned to think different. Because it is a virtue to learn to praise when things are not as easy as you wish they were. That's a virtue. And it's the virtue that comes uh, to us by the blood. Where Jesus said, remember, if you want to win, you've got to think right. There's some blood that's telling you, I can change your nature from being a failure and a, and a complainer and a loser. I can change you to being a winner without anybody else in your life changing. Without your wife or your friends or your finances or your boss, I can change you into a winner by just changing the way you think. And you got, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass this around. Don't keep it. But you're welcome to put it on and see what it feels like. This is an actual thorns from um, uh, Nazareth. And so uh, Todd bought it for me. Where's Todd at? Oh, he's back there playing. Anyway, but you can, I want you to look at it and feel it and see how the blood came down. And I want you to understand uh, this is what it feels like. Just stand right there, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> but you know, you know, you know. Have you ever seen somebody in trouble? What do they do? They grab their head, don't they? And if you see somebody putting their head down with their hands on their head, you know trouble is here because they're 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 grabbing the trouble spot, aren't they? Because their mind is like blowing up. And Jesus remembered. Hey, look. Keep your look. Remember. It might feel like this, but this is where the victory begins. It might feel like your, your, your head is about to pop. But just remember, I've got some blood that's going to keep you from coming under that stress and that pressure and those issues. And I'm going to teach you to be a victor in every situation. So I'm going to pass that around so you can just touch it and feel it. Those are from uh, Jerusalem, by the way, or Nazareth, one of the two. I have it in my office. Details are not my forte. But I want to read you a story that illustrates this before we go today. And we're going to have communion because I want you today to remember the blood from the crown of Jesus is about to change the way you think about whatever you face. And when you face it, you will have an asset. You'll have a virtue. When you face something that's contradicting you and something that's saying, why don't you just give up on God and everything else? Then you'll understand the way you think right now and the way you speak right now is going to determine your victory. The way you think and the way you speak right now is going to tell everybody who you are. You're going to testify to heaven, earth, your children, everybody, who you are. When the pressure is on, we're going to find out what's real in your life. So you don't have to muster it up and say, yeah, but it's bad, it's sad. You don't have to muster it up. You can say, wait a second, I got something supernatural. And that's the blood of Jesus that tells me I don't have to think like I used to think. I don't have to be stressed or pressured. I can just rise above it like that song says, right? You don't ever have to live in stress or pressure. My wife read that scripture a couple weeks ago where it says in Philippians, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything and let your requests be made known to God. 
and the God of peace will set a guard around your heart and your mind and your spirit. This is a way of thinking that was influenced by the blood from the crown of Jesus. All of your victory in this life is going to be about God speaking to you in your thinking and allowing you to win. And allowing you to say, you know what, it looks like there's no way out, but there is a way out. If I'll stop freaking out and blaming everybody, come on somebody, God has an answer in the middle of it. You remember when they were, uh, the, the disciples were in that boat and, and, and it, was, it was Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the water was coming in. They were all panicking saying, God, why is this happening to us? If you love me, they're all blaming each other, blaming God, blaming the storm. Then Jesus was sleeping in the boat. Well, we know he wasn't sleeping because you can't sleep with water pouring all over you. We know he was just, when he was being still and knowing God is God, Jesus knew as long as God is God, this boat is not going down. As long as Jesus is in your boat, your boat is not going down. And even better than that, Jesus, while they're all like chickens with their head cut off, freaking out, Jesus is listening because there's an answer in the middle of your storm. And Jesus got a word from the Holy Spirit. You need to stand up and rebuke the storm. And instead, look, who would have thought of that? Who would have imagined that the answer to the situation was to get up and speak? But you got to stay calm in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through. And you got to listen to God. And God is going to give you the right word at the right time to turn the storm around for your benefit. And he's going to say, I was there all along. That's good preaching, even though it's not me, my sermon. You know, in, in football, they're always talking about facing adversity. And we look, and in, in teams that have the virtue and the character to face it, get through adversity or come from behind. This is the key to victory, that you don't throw it in and give up or quit, but that you don't get moaning and groaning and feeling like you got a wounded spirit, that you rise up and you be everything God said you could be. You know that, um, that song that says, when the... Oceans rise and thunders roar. I will soar with you above the storm. This is an illustration of an eagle because eagles don't run from storms. Eagles fly into storms. All the other birds, chickens and such, they look for cover and hide out and hope. Sparrows, they're all in a tree somewhere. And the eagle says, oh, a storm? Awesome. We're going to get some waves on. You ever see guys in Hawaii in a typhoon out there with their surfboard like, this is awesome. You're like, you want to die, man. But, but they're not worried about it. They think, oh, this is a good time for waves. Well, eagle thinks that way. When everything's blowing, contrary winds are blowing toward an eagle and a storm's coming in, an eagle says, I'm going to have a high day because I'm going to use those uh, air jet streams. I'm going to use those to bring me higher. All the other birds don't think that way, but we're going to soar with him above the storm. Come on, somebody. We're going to soar with him above the storm because these things, like the Bible said, Paul said, these Temporary issues are working for you a, great, a greater weight of glory. In other words, whatever you're going through, it is going to work for you if you think right about it. It's going to bring you to the next level. But if you do the same old poor me, I wonder if God's word is true act, then you're going to get to take this test again. This is not my sermon either, but hey, that's okay. Acts 16, 23, I love this story. You'll, you'll recognize it probably. Acts 16, 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison 
and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, somebody say, but at midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. <laughs> let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word rock our world. Let it change the way we think. Let, it, let us, everyone in here know that you are with them and that they will get with you They'll realize they're not being punished or persecuted, but that you are bringing them to the next level. That greater is he that's in them than anything that will ever come against them. Do you remember, um, some of you, when, when I was a kid, there was a particular toy. Some of my friends had it. And it was a, it started off like a clown. It was a punching bag clown. And, and, and then they made Batman and different, you know, Joker. Well, you know, that's superheroes. But it was, it was kind of a plastic but y'all wave it. I don't have to explain. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, uh, and then it, you could beat the fire out of that thing. It would sometime hit you back, right? Because you would knock it down. The harder you hit it, the quicker it would come back. If you weren't ready, if you just threw your whole, you know, shoulder into it, you were going to get hit because that thing's coming back fast. And when I think of those, that toy, you know, you could just beat it down all around the room, but it's like, I'm back. It, it, it was like it, you just, it, it would let you beat it till it, you got tired of beating it. Why was that? Because there was something heavy inside of that thing. There was something at the very base that, that was at the very bottom that was a lot heavier than your punch. That no matter how hard you punched, there was something greater on the inside that said, you know what? You're not going to lay there and take it. You're going to rise back up because greater is he that's inside of you. There's a weight inside of you. There's something that's heavier inside of you than anything that can come against you. And it doesn't matter how hard you get hit, you're going to come back because something is inside of you. It's not my sermon either. Sacrifice of praise at midnight. I would call it midnight praise. Midnight. The Bible says, but at midnight. Do you know literally midnight is the darkest it gets? Not 12 o'clock, but midnight. It's actually like 1 o'clock when the sun is the furthest away from you, it's going to be all day. Midnight. It's the darkest. I mean, it's a, it is as a black. They say the darkest night just before the dawn. Not true. The darkest night is at midnight. And so this is a, like a prophetic story because it's telling you there are moments that are going to define your life and they're going to be so dark that you don't even understand why in the world that this happened to you. But God is loading your gun with the most powerful weapon. It might look like God is taking everything around, away from you. But at that moment, God is about, about to load your gun. God is about to give you the opportunity to go higher than you've ever gone. It's all that you said you wanted. It's about to happen. All that you're going to be like Jesus. All that I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to give up that habit. I'm going to become like this. All of that's about to read. At midnight is when it happens. To have the virtue to worship at the darkest hour. It's an expensive 
offering when the natural, it's not even natural when you've been beaten with rods, which they had been. Your back is bloody. Now you're not only in prison, but you're in the inner prison, which has got to be dark. There's no light there. It wasn't any light. There's zero light now. And then they're in stocks. You know, do you see them where they put your, 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 your hands in the wood thing, you know, and they clamp down. And if you weren't going anywhere, they put you in stocks. And so they're immobilized. This is not a time to sing. This is a time to feel sorry for yourself. The only tune coming out of people naturally is, I don't understand. You know, why did this happen to me? What am I going to do? Or doesn't God care? If, if the easiest thing to sing is like, hey, I just call it like I seize it. I serve God and now it's bad. Right? I mean, these guys, why were they in jail? Well, they went to a city and they started preaching the gospel and a lady gave her life to Christ. And they were, a revival broke out. Paul and Silas are in the middle of a revival. They were doing what Jesus told them to do. They were operating in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then a, a, a lady, a, a demonic, uh, like a fortune teller, kept saying, these are the servants of the Most High. Listen to them. And uh, Paul put up with it. But then he got tired because he could hear, this is not God. It was like, you know, fingernails on the blackboard. And he turned around and said, to, spoke to that spirit of python or divination. He said, come out of her. And when he did, she got set free. Well, that's awesome. Except for now, there's no money for the guy who had her out there making money, reading fortunes. And the guy stirs up trouble, and then the whole city comes against Paul and them. And here's the deal. They did nothing other than what Jesus told them. They were the courageous warrior type that went out and did everything God told them to do, and then everything blew up. They end up in jail, jailbirds. Not only in jail, but beaten bloody, and in the inner prison, in the stocks, and at that moment, this is the most expensive offering you can give. It's a costly offering. It's like that woman with, the, with, with the, that, that costly fragrant uh, oil that she poured over Jesus. This was a costly offering because it was from the deepest place. It was what is real. That's what midnight is. You've been to midnight. When you can't understand it and you don't know about it and you don't know why. And you can't understand how God's word is squaring up with your life. And you tried to believe God and this happened. And then you try to do the right thing and, every, <laughs> and you're like, hey. You're like in that Job moment like, though he slay me yet will I serve him. You're in a moment where your mind is trying to figure out what am I supposed to think about this. That's midnight, man. And this is the, the defining moment of your life, in a sense, these moments. Number one, just write, write this down for a note. I want you to take these notes with you. A, you are who you are at midnight. You are who you are at midnight. At church, in daylight, in daylight, it, you can put on the front. Oh, 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 yeah, bro, preacher, bro. Oh, it's easy. I mean, daylight's all right. It gets midnight, it gets real. Nobody's watching, no cameras, no people. It's just you, 
you're immobilized, you're beaten, bloody, you're sore, you're hurting, you've been betrayed, you've been let down. God didn't show up for you. And at that moment, where you feel the most abandoned is the moment God said, now let's find out who you are now. We already know who Jesus is when everybody left, when everybody betrayed him, when everybody walked away. We already know what Jesus acts like. He just goes into praise, and we get to find out about everybody eventually. Because you are who you are in the dark. You are who you are at midnight. Unfortunately, this is who you are. Now, let me just give you a little hint. If you can't praise him in daylight, you got no chance of praising him at midnight. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I mean, when you got money and everything's working right, you're healthy and everything's good. If you if you turn it on the rap station instead of the worship station, I've got feeling sorry for you when you go to midnight because rap is not going to help you at midnight. Come on. I mean, things are going good. If all you want to do is be entertained, go to movies, watch TV, and Jesus is like, well, hey, things are awesome. See ya. If that's how you are in daylight, you got no chance at midnight. Because you're only going to do at midnight what's in the deepest part of you, what's inside of you, the reaction that you've been trained to respond to, that thing inside of you that says, I don't care. All things are working together for good for me. God's got this whole thing. I don't know what it looks like, but I know how it ends up. I know that I end up on top. You can knock me down, but I'm just going to keep coming back up. It's a virtue. If you've got that instead of the whining gene, if you got that gene that says, look, I know God's with me. I don't care about you. I do care about you, but this is not about you. This is about who I am. When I face midnight, you're going to find out who I am. And when you find out and face midnight, I'm going to find out who you are because that's really what's real. Church people. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to say any more than that. Church people. Because <laughs> church is easy. I don't really like these chairs. It's a little cold in there. And Pastor Ray, he was screaming too much today. If that's going to steal your praise, you don't have a chance. I mean, you go negative on oh, the chair was too hard at church. I don't know how you're going to make it at midnight. I mean, they're in China huddled in little rooms thinking they might get arrested for the one little page of the Bible they've got about Jesus. And they're worshiping him with all their hearts. And here we can go to any kind of church we want, have any kind of music, and we wonder if we even feel enough, feel good enough to go to church. Well, I, everybody goes to church when it gets midnight. Come on, somebody. Oh, when the doctor says uh, it's cancer and it's malignant, somehow you were able to get up on Sunday morning. Like you're down front. Oh, Jesus. See? <laughs> midnight will bring the best out of you. Right? Everybody wants to try to look. And, it's the most glorious thing about your life is that you have the heart of praise. That in the good time, you're praising them. In the difficult time, you're praising them. This is the power of your life. This is the source. This is what's real. This is what the deepest part of you is. And sometimes you've got to admit, you know, I don't have my praise. Truth is, I don't feel it. I don't, well, you know what? Something's wrong. And there's nothing bad about something being wrong. There's only bad when something's wrong and you don't care. There was something's wrong and it doesn't bother you. Like, you know what? I don't even like singing. I'm going to get my country station on. <laughs> I'm going to get my honky-tonk on, not my praise. 
Can't wait to get out of church to get my thing. I don't know about you, but he's been so good to me. I got to praise him every day. I got to praise him all the time. I got to praise him with my whole heart. And I'm not being, look, I can tell you, I told Diane, it wasn't that long ago. I told Diane, you know, I'm doing good. I love God. I'm reading my Bible. But I don't, I just, whatever that praise thing, I, I don't feel it. I think something's wrong with me. If you don't have a moment to get real and say, you know what? Something's hard about my heart. Something changed. Because when worship happens, I can't wait till it's over. We were worshiping in Baton Rouge last week. They played one of those songs, and I thought, <laughs> play it again. They played it again. I said, play it again. Because when that well of praise opens up back in you, it's like you, it's something you forgot about. It's like, wait a second. This is better than the saints beating the rams. This is better. Come on, somebody. This is, wait a second. This is the best that there is. If I, if, if, look, when you open up that well, you're like, forget about football. Forget about cars. Forget about houses. Forget about the whole thing. This is Jesus. I forgot. I talked to a young man that walked out on God and forgiven, forgotten about God and had attitude about God, and he didn't even know if there was a God. And I said, listen, man, I know a lot, but I know you're a worshiper. Remember that? You might not remember any of my sermons, but remember the presence of God? And it's like you're talking to somebody that can't even understand what you're saying because they're so far from it, they forgot it. They got lost. They lost that praise. They lost that virtue of saying the, the center of my life is a fountain of praise. And, and they, you know, the sad thing about it is, when you lose it, you don't want it back. You get happy to say, "Look, I just choose the light of my TV over the light of your presence." I need a Kleenex. I'm, <laughs> my nose is running. It could get bad. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Singing is not natural when your body is bloody and beaten from rods for an unjust reason. It's not a natural thing. You've got to have some super on your natural. There has to be something super inside of you because your natural is going to say, curse God and die. None of it's true. None of it works. It works, but you've got to work it. You've got to stand your ground. And you got to say, everything I preach, I'm going to get tested on. Everything I said I believed, my kids are wondering if it's really true. At midnight, they're going to find out if it's really true. Because you are who you are at midnight. Next little point, people are listening closest at midnight. So I don't know my kids are this way. I don't know. Where. Look, they heard you at midnight. That's why. Because they listen to what you say about God and the Bible, and at midnight they're watching closely. Do they really believe this? I hear what you're saying. And I hear, I'm a wow. Look, that's why you see young people, they kind of sit in the back and they're looking like, hmm, I see. Because they're trying to figure out what's real. And that's what was happening with Paul and Silas. It's the middle of the night. These guys are beaten. They're good people. They hadn't done anything wrong. And these guys start praying loud. And then they said, sing that. Sing that when the oceans roar song. And he and Silas like, I will soar with you above. And they started singing. It's like something hit him. Everybody knows what that's like. Something hit him. Like this something supernatural hit him in the deepest part of them. And said, wait a second. What if what's inside of me is bigger than what's around me? And you know what? All the 
every con in the joint said, I don't know what it is, but I feel it. <laughs> I find that people who are not Christians many times are more sensitive to what's real than Christians. Christians will sit there, church is just dead. They're like, this is my church. <laughs> you know, y'all, you're dying. It's just dead. They're like, I don't care. It's not even anointed, but I'm in. But a lost person, when someone that doesn't know Jesus, they walk in, it better be real or they're out. And these, this is a great illustration because all of these prisoners, real criminals, are in there and they're just listening. It says, and they were all listening to them. People are listening to you at midnight. Your influence, see, character is influence. It is not what you said, it's how you acted when it counted most. That's what character is. It's not whether you were tempted, it's the choice you made. It tells everybody what kind of person you are because that is who you are. Your influence is determined by whether what you preached was real when it was hard. And when you were at midnight and nothing made any sense, this is what influences the people around you. Your children, your friends. And I just have to say this as we get ready to take communion. You know, we had a women's event recently, and um, Jen was helping us with it, and we started inviting women. And suddenly, all the women that Jen works with was like, I'm coming. We couldn't, we, we were having to buy boards and make new boards because everybody she knows from school every day, when she gets up and goes to that school every day, they know what she passed through. And they were watching They know, they know, they don't know about every religious person, but they know what's real. They know they were sitting on the front row before they lost their 18-year-old boy. They're still on the front row. Not only that, they fought their way through midnight and through lawsuits. And their, their lawyers, the judge and the, the, the guy, the mediator was there, they said, uh, my lawyer told me that the guy couldn't even believe them. They said, where do you go to church, man? What is that? You don't think people are watching when you're pitching a fit and mumbling, grumbling at work because you had a flat tire on the way or your husband didn't treat you exactly right. You don't think they're noticing, but they're like, oh, really? Oh, this is what's real, right? You're upset just like the rest of us. You cussed at the car in front of you on the way to work. Why? Because you had a bad day. Okay, they're watching. Your influence is determined by what you do at midnight. Amazing praise. This is your calling. Amazing praise. If there's something good, think of that. If there's something good that's coming, think about that. If God is setting you up for something greater, think about that. Well, my car blew up. Well, you about to get a new car? Think about that. I just got the new iPad Pro. Everybody knows. Because my old iPad, I put on top of my church, my car after church, and it blew up on the interstate. Now, I could have beat myself up and been angry and bummed out and upset. And why did that happen? Or, or I could simply say, I'm getting a new iPad Pro. Yeah, da, 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 da. You know, I, had, I just had to put that crown on and say, wait, losing your iPad is the best excuse to get a new one. So I don't care what you're going through. Something good is about to come to you. 
I don't care what it is you're facing. You're about to have a victory because all things are not good, but all things are working together for your good. Amazing praise. Look at somebody and say, you need some amazing praise. Character is formed and demonstrated in the darkest hour. It's a test. Pass it this time. Let me finish with this. We'll have the ushers. We're going to have communion today. And not only is God going to clear the slate, and Jesus is going to be the Lord of your, all of your life, but you're going to receive the blood of Jesus from the crown of Jesus that's going to say that attitude of constantly looking for the bad is about to leave my life because I'm going to receive the blood from the crown of Jesus that tells me no matter what I face, I'm always a conqueror. No matter what I'm going through, I'm always a winner. Not because of me, but because Jesus is with me. And if God is with me, who can be against me? And I mean, we had the women's, uh, let me follow up. We had the women's event. There was women coming from everywhere. I said, who are all these people? She said, they all go to work with me. And they were all at her, her table. And when she was dancing on the stage, they were all clapping. Because they thought, you know what? You know what they said? That's real. Do you know this influence? I don't know if you read the story, but the whole place shook and the doors opened wide and the chains fell off and nobody left. Because the, the jailer was about to kill himself because he thought every, he saw the, the, the doors open and the chains fall. The, the, the jailer got his, his sword and said, I'm dead. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. What did he say? We're all here. He said, just him and Silas? No. All the cons are there. All the drug addicts are there. Oh, everybody. they like, you know what they did when they heard Paul and Silas? Worshiping at midnight, they're like, I'm just doing whatever he does. They saw the earthquake, like, look, he ain't leaving, I ain't leaving. You're going to influence everybody around you, their life around you. You're passing through something, and the way you pass through it is becoming a miracle in the eyes of everybody around you, and you're about to become the influencer. <laughs> Last thing is this. Greater the sacrifice, the greater the impact. The worse it is, the more opportunity you have for a great impact. The worse it gets, the better it is for you to do the right thing. The more weight it has, the worse it is. You say, you don't know how bad my deal is. Well, you know what? The worse it is, the better it's going to be for you. The more influence you're going to have. The place shook. And the doors were open. Listen to me. Nothing can stand in the way of explosive praise. It shook the foundations of the jail. It didn't just, Paul's chains didn't just fall off. Everybody's chains fell off. Paul's prison door wasn't open. Everybody, it didn't just shake the prison. It shook the foundation. This is a praise that shook the foundation. And while they're sitting there free, they said, we ain't going nowhere. We just go to stay. Ever been to a worship service? You just don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> you know that was the presence of God in that jail. They didn't have a, a beautiful instrument that we're listening to. It was just a cold, dark, cussing everybody, mad, pervert jail. Suddenly, God's presence went in. They're like, "We ain't moving. I don't even go to church, but we ain't moving right now." 
because there's something in this room. There's something in this jail. I, I look, you, do you know any jailbirds that if you took their chains off and you opened the jail, that wouldn't just be like, see ya, they're still here, I'm out. Actually, if I'm Paul, I'm out too. I'm like, praise you later. <laughs> but, but Saul heard from the Holy Spirit just because your circumstances have changed, it doesn't mean you have to do this or that. Listen, I'm going to say it again. Praise redefines your circumstance. They're still in jail, but they're running the joint. Paul's going home, leads the whole guy's family to Christ. <laughs> they get baptized. His circumstance, he's still a jailbird. He's just the jailbird in charge. Come on, somebody. I didn't think you said, but praise, it ain't going to change anything. If it changes you, it changes everything. If it changes you, it changes everything. It redefines the whole equation. If you change, everything's going to change. If you become part of an explosive praise moment, you might still be look, trying to pay your bills. You might still have your wife at a hotel somewhere. Your kids might still be this. We have to get, guess what? You changed and your circumstances just got redefined. They're no longer saying God is not for you and God is not with you and God's word is not. Your soaker sense gets shut up. When you start praising God, you're saying, I don't know about it. I don't know why it happened. I don't even need to know. But I know when it's over with, I'm going to finish on top for Jesus. I'm going to end up better. I'm going to end up higher. Woo! Y'all making me preach. It's y'all's fault. Praise changes your location. It moves you. It moves the foundation of everything that's against you. It's the most powerful thing. You want any virtue? If you had to choose one, choose a praising heart. Because you can't lose with what we use. You can't lose. You can't lose. You just became supernatural. You're like, it looks bad. I'm praising them. It looks terrible. I'm praising them anyway. This is going to be good. It looks terrible. Oh, I'm going to praise them anyway. Oh, this is going to be awesome, man. That means good things are about to come. <laughs> 